Hey there, everyone. Greetings. Welcome. My name is Keith Billick. This is the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Did everyone notice the new podcast logo? I kind of love it. It's, it was designed by a graphic designer friend of mine named Grace Van Hoff, and she put in the type of artistic flair to it that I think only a fellow banjo player could provide. Grace is an excellent banjo player. I think I mentioned something on Facebook about being thankful that all of my recommendations or ideas that I had about what I wanted my logo to look like. She basically just said, no, we're going to do this instead. And I'm really thankful she did because her idea is way better. Um, I'm really proud of it. Hopefully that means maybe in the future I will be able to provide podcast stickers or shirts or or get my merch game in order as as I strive to become slightly more professional so thanks again grace for doing such a great job of that and i hope hope you all find it as cool looking as i do as you've probably noticed from the title of this episode i'm flying solo on this one it's been a little while since i've put out one of these instructional type episodes so here here it is I've based this one in part on the response that I've gotten from episode five, which was called Right Hand Boot Camp. I've gotten a lot of emails from you thinking that it's very helpful and a lot of positive feedback about that. So this one is called Left Hand Boot Camp. And just as the Right Hand Boot Camp was supposed to strengthen and improve your right hand, this episode will show you a bunch of exercises to strengthen and improve your left hand. I should say before we get started, this isn't anything that I do every day. Most of these exercises are things that I will only do uh, under a few circumstances. One would be if I have a lot of time for practicing that day and I want to do a good thorough warm-up before I dive into the the real bulk of what I want to accomplish that day. Some of these might might be good for that. Another reason would be if you've noticed yourself needing some left hand work, if you're if you're playing and you feel like you're just not able to execute the things that you think your left hand needs to be able to execute, that's where the left hand boot camp comes in. So overall, probably not as important as getting your right hand in order. And definitely if you take the time to do all of these, it takes a lot it so takes a long time to get through them all i guess is what i'm getting at so there's really no way unless you have a lot of time or make this the focus of your practice that you'd be able to get through everything and along those same lines you'll notice that especially if you haven't done much much of this work before your left hand will will feel it definitely if at any time through these exercises if you feel pain or 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 excessive strain in your left hand you know it's it's okay for it to be a little stiff or tired that that's normal when you're doing new exercises that your left hand isn't used to but i'm not looking to give anyone some injuries so just listen to your body in terms of that so all that being said there is a tablature sheet for this and the best way to obtain that tablature sheet is to go to the the hosting site for the podcast, which is banjopodcast.libsyn.com. So banjopodcast.libsyn, Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And under the show listing, this will be episode number 24, I believe, Left Hand Boot Camp, there should be the little button that says tab sheet in 
big capital letters with, you know, your friendly downward arrow download button. So it should be fairly self-explanatory if you can get to that point. If, however, you're unable to, to access that for some reason or, or unable to figure it out, you can always email me and I will just email you a copy of the tablature sheet. The email address is pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. That's also the way to get a hold of me for any other questions or comments or feedback. But yeah, if you need this tab sheet or the tab sheets to any of the previous episodes, I believe I've had three other episodes with t- downloadable tablature they're all available on that libsyn.com site but yeah just email me if you need to one more thing before we get started if you do find these podcasts valuable the only compensation that i get from from doing these is through the patreon site so that's patreon.com slash banjo podcast that's how you can become a supporter of the show and i i really am thankful for anybody who's done that The other ways to support the show are to subscribe and rate on your podcast platforms of choice, Uh, spread the word through social media, and just tell everyone you know, especially the ones who play banjo, that they should uh, check out the Picky Fingers Banjo podcast. I always appreciate the the word of mouth news getting to, to more people that would like to hear it. But anyway, I think that's all I have to say for now. Let's get into the left hand boot camp lesson. Have your banjo ready. Have that tablature sheet pulled up, and uh, good luck. Let me know if you have any questions. So let's just get started here and take a look at some of these exercises that I regularly use and that I think have helped me to develop some left hand dexterity and strength and coordination. This first one, I'm calling it a basic accuracy slash independence exercise. And that's because a lot of these players that you see, if they have very good, confident playing, a lot of that isn't just sheer dexterity or sheer speed with the left hand. A lot of it has to do with synchronizing your left and to right and right hands banjo is such a precise instrument you have three picks and the music often goes very quickly a lot of good playing is really a matter of being able to to sync up the precise moment at which your right hand picks a string with the precise moment at which your left hand uh, fingers the note so this exercise is designed to help with that um so so in that way it's actually an extension of right hand boot camp because it's also developing some right hand skills too. But uh, you'll definitely feel feel it in your in your left hand as a, as you gain some of that coordination that's involved. So let's look at it. Tabbing out left hand exercises. It looks really weird to see it on tablature. It's just a mess of notes all on a line. So let me let me see if I can explain it in a good way. Basically, what you're, you're going to do is you start on that D string, and you are going to assign on your left hand one finger each to the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th fret. So you're going index, middle, ring, and pinky on the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th frets. If you find that to be a little too much of a stretch for your fingers to be able to, to hold down those, 
move it up the neck. It's okay. There's nothing about this exercise that needs to be starting on the fifth fret. So feel free to just take this pattern and move it up. So here's what we do. We start, we start with the fifth fret. And basically you just alternate between the fifth and each of the next three fingers. So fifth, sixth, fifth, seventh, and fifth, eighth. And as my next note says, keep the root finger down throughout. So throughout that whole thing, you want your index to be holding down that fifth fret. So now you've done all three of those. Now you go to your middle finger on the sixth fret and hold that down while you go six, seven, and six, eight. But now you go backwards and go six, five. So here's, here's what we have so far, starting again on the fifth. So you could probably see how this pattern is developing. Now you move to the seventh. Play the seventh to eighth. But now you have to go backwards from the seventh to get the seventh to fifth and seventh to sixth. And now when you start on the eighth with your pinky, there's nowhere to go but backwards. So you go eighth, fifth to the index, eighth, sixth to the middle, and eighth, seventh to the ring. So I've just played one entire sequence of this exercise. So I'll play through your right, right here. And basically, if you're following on the tab, what I'm about to play is going to take us through halfway through that second measure. So that entire section on the D string before it skips up to the G string. So it's, it's not very musical sounding, but the trick is play this as slowly as you need to. You, you, what you want to hear is very precise notes. If you're going too fast and you start hearing sloppiness like that, that means you're going too fast, you need to slow down. Speed will come in time, but the, right now accuracy and getting your hands between your right hand and your left hand coordinated is the key and developing some finger independence on the left hand. Um, I should also note that the right hand fingering for this I have as strictly T-I-T-I-T-I. There are varying schools of thought. As you heard in the Chris Pandolfi episode, he actually incorporates his middle finger into this single string style. I'm really not worried about that. If you, if you find a better right hand pattern that you would prefer to use, uh, go ahead and do that. I don't really see a problem with that, but it's mostly about just coordinating the right and left hand. However, you're going to pick it to be noting these, these notes clearly. So after I've done that, I, be, I just do the exact same thing up a string on the G string now. So it's the same pattern. So there's another section and then I go to the B string. And then to the D. So 
So nothing changes about the pattern itself. It just goes up the strings. After that, you can you can take it back down the strings. So and then gradually speed it up. And I would recommend doing this with a metronome as well. So once again, the main goals for this first exercise, the basic accuracy and independence exercise, is to have very clear notes, no fumbling around, do it as slow as you need to do. Also, keep the the bass finger down throughout. So when you do those three notes on the five, it's the, the index. And that's basically it. And try to work up your speed. That That's not only going to improve your coordination between your right and left hands, it's going to improve probably your single string playing because this is actually similar to a single string exercise for your right hand. The next exercise is the what I call the advanced accuracy and independence exercise. And before we actually go through this, it's going to use all these G scale patterns. You could use this with any scale. You could use it with a, a minor scale. You could use it with a, a different major scale. I had chose G because that's what a lot of us are familiar with, and and it's a good place to start. These G scale patterns, I have seven of them. These themselves are not the specific exercise that I'm teaching you, but they're good to know, and you do need to know that you do need to know them in order to play the the exercise that follows. All of these notes, these are just different positions. And this incorporates a little more than an octave worth of the G major scale. So this first one starts on an E. I didn't play that very cleanly. I should, I should uh, mention that when you have, you see in that first measure, there's a two second fret and a fifth fret, that third note from the end. That means you could play either of those two options. You're not really supposed to play those two simultaneously. I guess you can if you really want to. It's the same note. But uh, basically they're substitutes for one another. So whichever one you find easier to play is the one that you should choose. And you might choose a different one depending on the situation. So the, the first scale pattern. The second one. Scale pattern number three. And I should mention with that third scale pattern, that's another one that has two options for notes. You'll see the fifth fret and the ninth fret on top of one another. Those, that's just another uh, optional substitution there. Uh, let's move on to scale pattern number four. And on to number five. Scale pattern number six. And finally, scale pattern number seven. And from there, you're basically at the octave position from where we started. So once again, play, play through those. Um, the, the right hand fingering is going to be very much what I, what I said about the first exercise. I'm playing most of that 
with alternating thumb and index. But if you are incorporating a middle finger in there, that is fine too. Different people have different ways of, of playing these patterns. And this being left-hand boot camp, I'm not going to get too much into the weeds about which way is, is a better way for your right hand to do it. So all, all of those positions are a way of getting us to this next advanced accuracy and independence exercise. And this is another thing that looks very strange when it's all tabbed out, but it might be easier if I just explain what's going on with this pattern and, and let you adapt it to each of these positions that I've showed you. So let's start with the, with the first position. So back down here, starting at the second fret. What this exercise does is it takes the first note and with every small sequence, you're adding a note from the, from the scale shape. So the first one, and then you are returning back down the scale all the way to your, to your bottom note, in this case, the second fret. So the first note you add is the four, and then back down to the two. Now you go a note further, up to the fifth fret, and back down to the two. Not directly back down to the two, it goes five, four, two, all the way down the scale shape. So, so far we've added the first note, the second note, then we go up to the third note, on and on, and with each note that you add, you're playing a larger portion of that scale shape. So that would be the entire first sequence of this exercise using that first position scale shape that I said. Now, with this one, it it is pretty cool that if you use just the alternating thumb and index, because as as you can probably see, it forces your right hand to start in different places. So that's actually increasing your dexterity for your right hand as well. And you'll see something else happen as we add new positions to this exercise. And what I mean by that is pay attention to what happens when you get done with that first scale position and have to switch positions. The first position shift happens in the last measure of the first page of the tab. And it is, you'll see, uh, it's uh, the eighth note of the sequence. It's a, it's a fourth fret on the, on the D string there. That, that gets played with your index. So not only do you have to alternate between switching strings with your thumb and index on your right hand, that next position actually completely starts with your index, whereas the first shape started with your thumb. So it's teaching you to have to completely reverse your right hand pattern for each of these scale shapes too. So this is a very comprehensive exercise that that um, is definitely a workout for your left hand, but fortunately incorporates some right hand stuff as well. So in terms of how to play this exercise, 
that's basically it. You get through an entire sequence of that pattern for one of the scale shapes, and then you immediately, without even missing a beat, move to that next position. Just like the previous exercise, the main things to keep in mind are clean note playing. If you, if you hear yourself starting to fumble and the notes aren't being heard correctly or clearly or out of sync with your right hand, that's your clue that you need to, to focus on that a bit more and to perhaps slow down. But once you have learned all these scale shapes and woven them together with this sequence and this pattern of the advanced accuracy and independence exercise, it becomes just a long flurry of notes that isn't necessarily musical, but it's not necessarily unmusical either. And I'll demonstrate that. And this is another thing that you should be doing is working with a metronome on this to make sure you are maintaining. That's part of increasing your coordination between right and left hand, making sure that both hands are are really learning what it feels like to play with that metronomic consistent speed. And for this, I am going to enlist the help of the program that I used for the right hand boot camp, which is uh, the band in the box program. And so any of you who listened to the right hand boot camp, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't listen to it. It's a piece of software. I recommend it. I'm sure there's a lot of others like it, but this just happens to be the one that I use. Uh, you can. It's a metronome program, but you can program it with different chords. So because we're using G major scale shapes, I have it programmed to use a, a G rhythm pattern. Um, and it's. I find it just a little more tolerable to listen to as opposed to the normal metronome just the incessant beeps or, or woodblock sounds. So here's how this entire exercise, or maybe I'll just play halfway through it and you'll get the idea, will sound with a, uh, this is the band in the box program set to 108 beats per minute. So you'll get a feel for how it's supposed to sound when you're, when you're playing it. And that was played at 108 beats per minute, which is probably a little bit faster than I would start off if I was just beginning to warm up and definitely faster than you should try it if you're not very familiar with these left-handed fingerings. And of course, the, the pattern overall is going to be new for you, if, unless for some reason you've, you've tried something like this before. Another variation that I, that I kind of like experimenting with is the, the same pattern but every time you add a note to the top, you hold it for just an extra 16th note, I guess it would be. And that's just a fun variation that has a little bit different sound. It demands a, a little different types of execution from both your right and left hand. So here's what I mean by that. So before we were adding, you know, one note and then go all the way down. Another note. 
but when you hold it for an extra beat, it ends up sounding something like this. You can hear how the, that just mixes up all the accents and the, the fingerings even just a little bit more. And you might even be able to incorporate some of those patterns into your actual playing because it starts to sound a little more musical, a little more interesting of, of rhythmic patterns to work with. This next set of left-hand exercises are perfect for situations where you want to get a little bit of, of work done with your banjo playing, but aren't able to make any noise, which, which I know tends to happen either if maybe if people are sleeping or even if it's just something like you're at a, a band rehearsal and other people are working on things and, and it's inappropriate for you to be making noise on your banjo, you can at least, it's a good left-hand exercise either way, but it's, it's especially a good thing to keep in mind for, like I said, when you just have to sit idly by and and not make any noise you can still work on this quietly and it and it will help also because it's only a left hand a quiet exercise it makes it a little strange to be putting on a podcast but I'll do the best I can so this exercise is is the one where on the tab sheet it says left hand only and I've tabbed it out although it it's not meant to be played like you would normally read on a on a tablature sheet it's it's just a, a way of telling you where to put your your left hand fingers so i have this ba the the base position is very similar to the first exercise we did where each finger has a an adjacent fret so in other words you're going to place your your index on the 6th your middle on the 7th ring finger on the 8th and pinky on the ninth, all on that high D string here. And again, if that's if that's a little too much of a stretch for your fingers to be able to to be all placed on those adjacent frets all at the same time, it, that's no problem. Move it move it up the neck where the frets get closer together to a point where you're comfortable. However, this is another aspect of this exercise: is that you you should try to stretch your fingers a little bit, try to get them to have a, a bigger fret span, as it were, even though that's not the main focus, it is a side benefit of some of these. So we start with all our fingers in a line on the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth fret on that high D. And the concept is this, any fingers that aren't moving, stay put. Don't lift fingers that aren't moving off of the string. You want everything to just stand still. From this point of having all the fingers down, you want to lift up only the first and third fingers and move them to the same frets on the next string. And that's a lot more difficult than you would think. If, if, if you try it, it's, it's one of those things that hurts your brain where you, you, you can't figure out why you, you can't just move your fingers where you want, but it's, it's, it's a challenging exercise at first. So move that first and third finger down to the sixth and eighth fret, just as the tablature says. 
So now you're in a position where two of your fingers are on one string and two are on the first string where we started. Now you move the second and fourth fingers down to meet up with them. So now you're back to a point of having all fingers on adjacent frets on the same string, but you've moved them all down to the B string, just two fingers at a time. Again, starting with just the first and third, but keeping the second and fourth, pushing the string down on the fret, move down another string to the G string, and then have the second and fourth follow it. And once again, when you have the second and fourth fingers meet back up, you want that first and third finger to be firmly down on the string. You don't want those to lift up at all. So the only fingers that you're moving are the ones that actually need to change strings. And what you want to do is go all the way down, even to the high fifth string. If you start on the sixth fret, you'll be able to do that. And then once you get to the fifth string, come all the way back up to the high D string starting again with only the first and third fingers. So that's kind of a challenge. Now you can do this in every, every combination of groups of, of having two fingers move at once. And then the next two fingers move to catch up with it on the next string. So try it again, start from that base position of six, seventh, eighth, and ninth fret with each of your left hand fingers. But this time, start by moving your second and fourth fingers. And by second and fourth, I mean middle and pinky. Move just those two down to the B string. And then after those are holding down the B string, you can move your first and third to meet up with them. And so on. And it kind of moves in like a spider crawl looking way up and down your, your fingerboard. So some I've I've tabbed out some more combinations basically every combination that you could have of groups of two fingers moving at once it's worthwhile to to try all of these because even after you've mastered having your first and third fingers move first it's it's amazing how how awkward it can be to just switch it up to a different combination of fingers and this is really teaching you how to to be independent with your finger movements as you can see by following along on the tab sheet, after you get done with first and third move first, then you have the second and fourth, then the first and fourth, so your two outside fingers can jump down to the B string first and curl down that way. Then you reverse that by having only those inner two fingers, the second and third move first. And then in different chunks, first and second, and then third and fourth, a lot of different combinations and each one will, will take you a little bit to get used to. And like I said, it seems like a very, very simple thing to ask your fingers to do, but it's pretty amazing how, how awkward and clumsy it can feel at first, um, until you get used to it. But I think if you work on this, you will actually feel the difference in your, in your left hand finger independence. It, it is something that's helpful and as I mentioned, it's something that's especially helpful for the situations in which you can't be making noise on the banjo, but you still have it, you're able to have it in your hands and you'd still like to feel like you're accomplishing something to improve your playing. This is a great thing to, to work on and which is silent. The final and most challenging set of exercises that I'm going to go through 
I, I have not tabbed out, and there's a very simple reason why I have not tabbed these out, and it's because I got them directly from a book titled Straight Ahead Jazz for Banjo, which was written by a, a great banjo player called Pat Cloud, and that, that book is available, so I, I didn't really feel like it was the right thing to do for me to just lift tab out of his book to put in this podcast, but it, these are exercises that I highly recommend and that I use and that I think have, have helped me. So I, I wanted to at least mention them. And there, there's nothing crazy ab- about them other than just getting them under your fingers and being able to, to practice them in a good way. And so in saying that, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, I recommend buying Pat's book, not just for these exercises, but for the whole content of what that book provides. But also, if you don't feel like buying his book, I'll still describe it, and if you want to to figure out how to play these things on your own, that's definitely possible because it's not a, a crazy concept to get your mind around. And the the pages that I recommend, twenty eight through thirty two, it's a series of playing the circle of fourths. And if you don't know what the circle of fourths is, it's basically a sequence of going from we've we've discussed in previous podcasts about the four chord going from G to a C would be a four chord. And then from C, if you're in the key of C, C to F is the four chord. And if you just keep that pattern going, it's basically the endless stream of, of a chord progression by continuing to move up a fourth every time. So something like that. But what what Pat has you do in his book is play major scales uh, of each of those chords as you progress through the circle of fourths. The book describes four different ways of moving through these these major scale patterns. So the first the first way and what that will sound like is more of a, a single string closed shape. So I'll play through a, a few chords worth of what that's like. And I could I could keep going, but you you just play a major scale of each of each chord moving through the circle of fourths without resting in between. So that's the first way to play it. The next way to play it is more of a melodic style, still all, with all the scales ascending. So, and that will sound something like this. I'll play through a few of those chords. And it keeps going, but you get the idea. That's the the melodic style way of doing it. And suffice to say that e- even if you're proficient in melodic style and really familiar with probably the, the most common keys that you're asked to play, G, D, A, C, F, maybe B flat, this moves you through all the keys. So you're playing F sharps and A flats and, and things like that. And it, it will definitely challenge both of your hands to move through those patterns. The third way is to 
have the first scale ascending, but then every other scale is descending. The, if, we, if we're always starting on G, G will ascend, but C will descend. Then, and it, it keeps moving along with, with that pattern, so you end up with, with a sound such as this. so on. Then finally, I, I mentioned there were four different ways of moving through the circle of fourths with using the major scales. The final way is just flip-flopped of that. You begin the G scale in a descending pattern, and then the C ascends. So that sounds something like this. And that's the gist of that. So what I do for, for really working on my left hand, and incidentally also the right hand, of course, is I have another band in a box sequence set up to play the circle of fourths. And I, I do two times through each of those. So two times through the single string or closed position style, all the way through the circle of fourths, two times through all of the melodic style ascending two times through ascending and then descending and then two times through descending and then ascending. And after I've played those all twice through, I try to bump up the the metronome by another five or seven BPMs. And it doesn't really take long for, for it to fall apart because some of those things are pretty challenging, but by the end of it, your 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 hands are definitely awake and ready to to do some playing. So here's how that sounds like. I, I have the band in the box set for I think this is 72 beats per minute. So this is how those exercises would sound. I'm only going to play them through once each.
again, that was only once through each of the four ways of moving through the major scale in the cycle of fourths progression. I, in in my practice, I tend to do it twice. If I fumble around a bit, like I did near the end there, I would probably just repeat it again. Um, but either way, it, it, perfection is is great to strive for. And if you notice that you're unable to keep up, then that's a sign that you need to to slow down. But overall, what we're really just trying to do is get your left hand waking up, getting your left hand used to these different types of patterns, asking your left hand to move independently, having more control over your left hand fingers so that when you do need to call upon it to, to execute some tricky musical sequences, hopefully it will be ready. And once again, I, I, I want to repeat again that those last exercises are from the book called Straight Ahead Jazz for Banjo, written by Pat Cloud. It's a, it's a great book. I'm presenting it as just having some warm-up exercises, but it's, it's a lot more to it than that. And he has a lot of good information there. So anyone who's a fan of this stuff or find that useful or a fan of jazz or wants to play it on jazz, that's a really cool book to check out. So are all your left hands tired yet? It kind of seems like they might be, so we better just stop there. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. Once again, if you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash banjo podcast. If you want to get a hold of me, if you need the tab sheet or just want to communicate about anything else, pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you all next time.